This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. And a big welcome to all my listeners at Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawks Bay, and Arrow Radio Masterton. And I'm your host, Neville Walls, broadcasting from Hara for the next 30 minutes. On the show today, I have only one guest, as I'm taking a couple of weeks away from work, so I have one guest for today, and I was very fortunate to be able to have an interview with Nicole McKee, Axe. Spokeswoman on Hunting and Firearms Licensing, which has had a very profound impact on legitimate firearm users and owners, whether it's hunting, range shooting, or the world of antique firearms. So relax and listen to hear more from a very knowledgeable Nicole McKee about the world of hunting, target shooting, and firearms. So here she is, Nicole McKee. Well, my guest this afternoon is Nicole McKee, spokeswoman for ACT, and today we're going to be talking about firearms control. Good afternoon, Nicole. Good afternoon, Neville. It's great to be having a chat with you once again. Well, it was a bit closer last time, but never mind. This will do. (laughs) Nicole... You probably uh, got the question in the back of your mind. Neville, why are you so interested in firearms control? Yeah, Neville, why are you so interested in arms control? Well, as you can see, those mountains behind me, there are a lot of tar, chamois, deer stalking down there, but that picture would have been taken away back about 63, 64 uh, we had what we call the Taranaki Deerstalkers Association. We were associated with mountain safety and a lot of other things, promoting the safe use of firearms of everything concerned. But today, it's bothered me of the force that is used with assaulting people, and one of them is using a rifle, but there's been other means of inflicting punishment too, which I won't mention, Nicole, but you're aware of them. But let's get down to where we've got you on the scene. What is the current situation regarding this firearms legislation that's passed by this government? Well, it's a bit of a fiasco, if you ask me. It's it's a complete mess, and um, it's absolutely destroyed the trusting relationship that firearm owners have had with New Zealand police and with the greater community. And it's all been in the way that the government has gone about introducing changes without actually having a conversation with those firearm owners, without actually figuring out where the problem is or where the problem lays. And more importantly, was done off the back of the mosque shooting on March the 15th, 2019. And this legislative changes were rushed through before a Royal Commission inquiry was held to tell us what went wrong, where were the failings, and what exactly needed to be fixed. The government went ahead and tried to fix a whole lot of things that were not broken. And as a result, I think what we see now is more firearm crime than we've ever had in this country before and a relationship that is irreparably broken down between New Zealand police 
and um, the constituency of firearm owners, which are 250,000 odd people. When I asked you, Nev, about, you know, what is your background? What is your interest? And you talked about Mountain Safety Council and New Zealand Deerstalkers. That's where I come from as well. I was a volunteer firearm safety instructor for the Wellington area for Mountain Safety Council, wanting to give back to my community the helping hand that they gave me when I first started with firearms, both in sporting and in hunting. You don't just turn up and know all this stuff. You actually have people that teach you, and they are a part of the community. They embrace you, and they embrace your family. And as a result, I moved from being a firearm safety instructor to being the coordinator for Wellington and then going on to being the program manager for New Zealand Mountain Safety Council for the Firearms and Hunter Safety Program. And that meant being in charge of the 486 volunteer firearm instructors all over New Zealand, making sure that they had the right training, were giving good safety education and had the all the tools that they needed to be able to conduct that within their within their communities. And in 2015, Mountain Safety Council started to change the regime, and that included getting rid of the local firearm instructors, and I did not support that. I was anti that. I thought the reason why we've done so well in New Zealand with our firearms law is because we've had people from our community working within our community, teaching those that know nothing about firearms but getting them up to speed on safety and their families and also knowing when something wasn't quite right, if something didn't, you know, somebody was changing or there were changes in family circumstances, there was always a group to go to. And that was being eroded. And so I, I actually quit my job in 2015 because I didn't stand by the changes that New Zealand Police and Mountain Safety Council were making. And I actually said back then, I could see we're going to get worse statistics for non-intentional firearms use than ever before if they go down this track. And then in 2019, we had the first wave of legislative changes where the government within seven days banned a certain amount, a certain set of firearms, but actually encapsulated a whole lot of other firearms that were not semi-automatics that have been banned. That includes a lot of lever actions and some very old 1800 um, actions as well. And I believe there's still some people out there that have those firearms not realising that they've been banned because the government went about saying we're going to ban semi-automatics, but they actually did more than that. They didn't even ban all of the semi-automatics. They left it open for certain people with legitimate use to be able to use them, and for that we're at least grateful. I'd like to extend that a bit more in some policies that we have with the ACT Party that, that we'll no doubt talk about a bit later but they also, they being the Labour government, introduced the Arms Legislation Act 2020 and put that through as the second tranche of legislation. And that in itself is quite worrisome. It included a section, part six, within the Arms Act that puts restrictions and conditions on clubs and rangers being able to operate. As a result, we're starting to see clubs close because they can't meet the requirements or closing because they don't want to meet the requirements, which include personal um, affront to, to them wanting to just be uh, volunteers within their club and within their community. They have to take some personal responsibility now, and a lot of people are not willing to do that. They just want to be there and give back to their communities like I wanted to do back in the early 2000s, and they're being restricted for doing that. 
Now, once we start seeing clubs closed, we see the ranges associated with them being closed, but we're seeing some ranges being closed anyway because they can't meet this ideology of what police want their ranges to look like. And that is that they can't actually meet the, the financial standards that they have to adhere to. And so that will see them close down. And as a result, I'm, I'm really worried that we're actually going to do more than just lose this relationship between New Zealand police and firearms owners. We're actually going to lose the relationship between community users and legal owners and everybody else. And I just don't understand why. Because there is legitimate use for firearms, whether it be sporting, whether it be pest control, whether it be farming. There's always legitimate use. It's about making sure that fit and proper people are in possession of firearms and learning from the mistakes that have been made in the past so we all move forward into the future instead of just condemning a whole group, quarter of a million of people, condemning them all because of something that a foreign national terrorist did in our country. So we want to right that, that and we think that the best way to start doing this is with the whole new Arms Act because the Arms Amendment Act 2019 and the Arms Legislation Act 2020 has made New Zealand a much less safe place to be in, and we have to make some changes there. Well, there was That's a long answer, of... isn't it, Nev? Yeah, look, there's not a problem, Nicole. Just looked about taking all my ammunition away, but what I would like you to explain, or not explain so much, but I mean, within this period, there was a person that was held is in custody with a ankle bracelet that got out and he shot two people. That, that takes a power of understanding, but more to the point, is the government going to license the firearms or the user? This current government that we have wants to do both. They want to license the user as well as licensing the firearm. The ACT Party have said it's actually about the user, not the firearm. As far as we're concerned, any firearm is capable of lethal damage if it's used incorrectly or used with ill intent. It doesn't matter the, the size of the firearm or the calibre, it has the capability. So we need to make sure that the people that are in charge and in possession of them are fit and proper. And it's been an interesting exercise for me over the last three years because coming into Parliament, I've had access to what we call written parliamentary questions, where a minister, through its agency, must answer as best they can some of the questions I ask them. So as an example, uh, a friend of mine actually did an OIA and shared it with me, where he asked police, over the last 12 months to the 1st of July 2023, how many firearms have been seized by non-licensed, oh sorry, from non-licensed people? And the answer is 1,213 firearms. So the next question was, how many of them had a serial number on them, which of course is required for registration? Only 394 of those 1,213 firearms had a serial number on them. That's 32.5%. Now, in order to have an effective registry, you need to have serial numbers on firearms and you need them to be recorded now, it's estimated that there's 180 to 200,000 illegally held firearms out there in the community. So having a registration system now, when there's that many out there that are non-registered, that have no serial number on them, 
really is just not going to affect a safer community. And we want that emphasis actually put back onto the person. Now, New Zealand police have already breached firearms data five times in the last four years. Now, when that occurs, you also have a number of people who will say, I actually don't want to register my firearm with New Zealand police because I don't trust them to keep that safe. I think it's going to become a shopping list for a criminal. And as you say, Nev, maybe somebody with an ankle bracelet around them might be able to get access. And when we do or have had five of these breaches, no one's ever held accountable for it. We've had a wheelie bin in Auckland, in an old Auckland police station, with 4,000 details of firearm owners within it, just left there in a disused police station. Sorry, were you wanting to say something, Nev? No, I, I'm just astounded at, what would you call it, carelessness. Incompetence. And now it's incompetence, Nev. Yeah. And police actually said that they only got in touch with 400 of those 4,000 people. You know, and then we've also had during the great confiscation uh, data that was also uh, been able to get hacked or or got into by somebody who was able to see people's names, addresses, bank account numbers, license numbers, what firearms they handed in, and what amount of money that they got from them as well. We just have these continuous breaches, and so people, of course, are fearful about putting all of their information into an online scheme that could be let out or broken into in some way and no one's ever held accountable for it. And that scares people. Now, back in 1997, Justice Thorpe held an inquiry into firearm use in New Zealand and he said, I'd love to have registration of firearms, but the reality is unless we get 90% compliance, it's never going to work. Now, we're not going to get 90% compliance if we've got 180 to 200,000 out on the street. We're not looking at other avenues of, say, illegal importation or illegal manufacturing in New Zealand. The blame is always put directly on the licence holder. And then we're not looking into areas like, how does a man on home detention for serious violent crime with an ankle bracelet turn up to work one day with a shotgun and ammunition and go on a shooting spree? Like, how does that even happen? And it's easy for New Zealand police to point the finger at people like us and say, well, we're the reason why. But I actually asked in a WPQ, the written parliamentary question, just recently, straw men, because that's what licensed firearm owners are, are deemed to be oh. when they are accused of, of having legally purchased firearms and giving them or selling them to the criminals. How many straw men have they found in New Zealand? And how many firearms have they seen go off sideways to the gangs? And the answer I got was New Zealand police do not keep that information. Well, I just heard the other day, Nicole, that somebody, I think it was Auckland Way, had been prosecuted for that very offence. But the question I'd ask you now, Nicole, is are the distributors, the firearms Dealers, wholesalers, are they accountable for those firearms that they sell? Yes, they are. So the dealers and the importers have to have had all along, so this isn't a new thing, they've always had to account for every firearm that's been imported, get a permit from New Zealand Police to import those firearms, 
And then when they sell them to a dealer, they need to keep a record of which dealer those firearms have gone to. And when the dealer then sells to a licensed firearm owner, the dealer must keep a record of where those firearms go to. So we've always had that. And what I think is quite interesting also, Neville, is in that figure I just gave you of 1,213 firearms being found in possession of people without licences, 18 of them were pistols. One of those pistols was recorded as being stolen from a legitimate pistol holder. But 13 of the 17 pistols are not recorded as ever having been on a New Zealand licensed firearm owner's register. Now, this is interesting because we do have a register and always have had since the 1920s a register for pistols coming into the country, being bought and sold by licensed firearm owners. Yet we've got 13 of 18 pistols never having been recorded as being on a New Zealander's licence. And yet we have people like the Police Association's spokesperson Chris Carhill saying licensed firearm owners are the reason why we have these illegal guns. He's completely ignoring illegal importation. And when we focus just on one avenue, we're not actually correcting what needs to be corrected, and that's looking at all avenues so ACT would, in the first instance, like to make sure only fit and proper people have access to firearms. Get rid of the arms registry. $208 million have been poured into it so far. We've got a very low amount of that. firearms that have been registered. People don't trust the system, so they're not going to do it. We've got dealers at the moment that are saying some of these sales are down because people won't buy or sell firearms while there's a threat of a registry around them. And ACT is also saying we need to have new laws which actually focuses purely on that fit and proper and take away some of this wasteful spending that this government has been, you know, just, how do I put it, $208 million is like building a honey pit, throwing taxpayer money into it and burning it without even putting meat on it. We actually need to put that money into making sure that we have a really good strict firearms regime and go after the criminals and their firearms and give consequence, which is so missing at the moment, consequence to the actions of being in possession of illegally held firearms. Now, when you talk about unregistered firearms, now, all, do all firearms have registered numbers on them? The majority of them do. There's some very old firearms that do not. Uh, and I think what's quite interesting from my perspective as well, is that we have different brands, different makes of firearms. And of course, we've come across some firearms that have the same serial number, but they're totally different firearms, different makes, different calibers, but happen to have the same serial number. And at the end of the day, I still don't understand why they're wanting to know all of this information, because it's not even an ambulance at the bottom of the hill. They're saying, well, we might be able to track this firearm to that person, but at the end of the day, if an atrocity has been committed, it would have already have been committed. This is why we need to do that, make that focus on fit and proper attainment rather than the firearm itself. Well, I know a bloke that was over in Bosnia. He came back, he was living in the country. He wanted a firearms licence and I always recall his conversation that he said he'd had with the police. I had no problems getting a firearms licence, but the cop that I was talking to said, those three blokes out there waiting, he said, they're not going to get there. <laughs> so that was a bit heartening, but I don't hear too many stories like that either, Nicole. 
I remember my days when we were training people at Wellington Central and you'd always ask a person, why do you want a firearms licence? And generally speaking, most people said it was for hunting or being in Wellington, they had just purchased a lifestyle block and wanted to make sure the pests were kept under control. But every now and again, you got a really weird answer. And uh, it was at that time your alarm bells would start ringing and you'd go and have a conversation with your local arms officer and say, hey, look, this guy passed his test, but he answered some things like this and we were a little bit worried. And in turn, the police would then go back and, you know, give a, look, look him over a little bit more closely, maybe even ask for an extra referee. But we had that relationship there. Now we have no arms officers in our local districts. We've got no volunteers from our local areas. And we've got clubs and rangers looking to be shut down. It's making a bad situation worse. And it, it's disappointing because you'd know, Nev, when you were working with Mountain Safety Council, the great work that our volunteers did over New Zealand, and I mean the entire country, over decades. Because back in the 1960s, before Mountain Safety Council got underway, uh, back then, we were averaging about 54 deaths every year with firearms. And then we got it down in 2015 to nine incidents per annum and around about one death. And I think that is a credit to all the work that the volunteers did around the country within their communities, working with arms officers. And we've lost all of it. And now, now we have gang members committing um, 28 Firearm offences every single day from December last year to May this year. 2.8 every single day. And these are unlicensed people. So we need to we need to make a change. We may not necessarily have to go back, but the way we're going forward is not working for New Zealand. It's not making us safe. Laura's coming to Nicole, when you talk about semi-automatic, uh, you probably know a bit more about firearms. AK... 47s, I think that's a fully automatic firearm, isn't it? We don't allow fully automatic firearms in New Zealand unless they're on a collector's licence and they cannot be shot, they cannot be used. An AK-47 is a semi-automatic when it comes into New Zealand. It can go on to full auto, but it's not allowed to, so that actually has to be dismantled as a, as a way of, of using it, but... Um, yeah, they, they're not allowed to have the ability to go on to fully automatic in New Zealand for any type of firearm. Oh, well, that was my understanding of it because I've just seen uh, some video clips of uh, wallaby hunting. Now, have you ever hunted those little critters? Not wallabies, no. They're super fast <laughs> at night. You've got a spotlight and you've got to be quick as soon as those eyes pop up, bang, but... Uh, you won't do that with a bolt action, and this is a problem that I've had trying to explain to some people they don't know the difference between a bolt action, lever action, pump action, semi-automatic or automatic. And this is what the message I'd like to get through to the public, Nicole, and with your help, I think we've done a pretty good job, Henry. Is there anything else that we've missed out? I, th I think there's still more work to be done there because, I mean, I, I look at what's happening now. Our firearms policy has come out looking at what we want to do to change uh, the firearms law and make New Zealand a safer place. And the Labour Party have come out and attacked us with misinformation. 
When it comes to the requirement for semi-automatics, in our proposed piece of legislation, we would allow the semi-automatics back, as long as there's a legitimate reason, legitimate yeah. use for having them, and pest control is definitely one of them. Now, we've heard politicians uh, bandy about the saying, well, you know, if you can't shoot an animal with one shot, you, you shouldn't be out there shooting at all. But that's not what it's about at no. all. It's about the humane dispatch of a large number of pests at one time. You talk about wallabies. If we think about a herd of goats, you know, you have you have all the goats together. There could be, say, 15 of them. Now, with a semi-automatic, you may be able to humanely dispatch all 15 or get pretty close to it. But with a bolt action, you might be lucky to only get five of that herd. And that's, you know, quite essential that we try to knock out all of the herd because you may end up getting a kid or getting, a, a, getting the adult goat yeah. and its kid is left behind. It runs away and it's got no parents. So then it dies an inhumane death. And that's not what good hunting or ethical hunting practice is about. It's about the humane dispatch. So having the ability to have a semi-automatic means humanely dispatching a large number of pests in one group at one time instead of having to spend hours trying to chase them down and potentially leaving small animals without their parents. That's not what any hunter wants, not any ethical hunter wants. So there is legitimate reason, there is legitimate use for certain types of firearms. And under our regime, we would put them under an enhanced licence, which means extra security, extra scrutiny on fit and proper and legitimate reason and use for having it. Sound ideas, Nicole. Very well put. So I see we are nearly out of time, so I will say thank you and au revoir for a jolly good interview. And uh, we'll leave it at that because I've got to turn this beastie off. Thank you, Nev. I always enjoy having a chat with you. This is the last broadcast before voting starts for the general election on the 14th of October. Just remember that there's many countries where ordinary citizens don't get a vote. It is time for you to cast your vote for the party that you think can manage the country the best. Above all, get out and make your vote count. And there's no need to wait for the paperwork. Just rock up to the polling booth. The other matter of concern is the low payout and higher than usual costs of interest, wages and fertiliser. That's when it comes to running a farm or a business for that matter. The other area of concern is the prophecy of a dry summer. These two areas of concern be, can be overcome by a little thought. We had a very astute accountant, Ralph Ladder, whose advice was, always wait until autumn when you know what the dairy or meat company will be paying for the season before making a major investment such as fencing or putting on more fertiliser. Catch you next week when I chat with the fabulous cook chef, Alison Gofton. Kakiri tano. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.